0: top of the show note to make to our noble listeners and that is we have a patreon but we're 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 cool about it <laughs> <laughs> um so someone asked about it and we have occasionally mentioned it basically just to say that's where some of our special episodes for example the the uh, review of the tng porn parody and presently our review of galaxy quest are we don't try to make money off the podcast where we merely try to offset the costs of the software and hosting fees to make it available to everybody. This is a hobby for us. And, uh, so we don't really press it or try to talk about it too much because we're pretty close to actually having those costs be, uh, realized by the amount of people who are subscribed right now, which is great. Um, But in case you are someone who's come along recently and you're like, these guys are pretty funny. I don't want their wives to make them stop because they saw the credit card bill. We appreciate you. And you can find us on Patreon. Viger, please finds us there just as easily as it does everywhere else. And if you want to kick in a few bucks, great. We try to do one special podcast every six months for our Patreon subscribers that we eventually (laughs) make available to everybody, but it's exclusive to them for a while. And every once in a while we have a little like, jam session where you and i just decide we want to talk about something and it's interesting enough to record and we should have something along those lines going up here shortly that we did last week so if that interests you great we appreciate it if not that's cool man like we get No pressure no pressure it's fine
1: i don't donate to any of the podcasts i listen to i'm 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 a (laughs) you don't none i donate i donate to to two but uh you know i didn't even pay for cbs all access I'm well, I'm a well. real piece of shit. So everybody else <laughs> out there being a piece of shit with me, hey, you're in good company. It's fine. Don't worry. You'll you'll get to hear that uh, Galaxy Quest review soon enough. Don't hold your breath. You know it's a uh, Or speaking of people who can't hold their breath, what episode of Star Trek Voyager did we watch this week? Well, some people like Netflix would say it was season five, episode. 17 but other people like memory alpha would insist it was episode 18 course oblivion so uh fuck this this... episode (laughs) fuck this goddamn episode joe i have not been fucking burned by an episode like this since real life okay that's the last time i got kicked in the dick that fucking hard by an <laughs> episode. You know what this episode and real life have in common, Joe? What is that, Peter? Little guy, I like to call Anson Williams. Yeah, that Anson Williams. Fucking Potsy from Happy Happy Days. Potsy, rat fuck. <laughs> you miserable sadist. Fuck real life. Fuck course oblivion. What a depressing, bleak, miserable experience you have created several times this is Potsy's last foray into Star Trek Voyager and man you feel better
0: (laughs) did you get it out I I watched this
1: episode and I went it ended and I'm just sitting there watching the credits and I'm just like I said out loud I'm like fuck you (laughs) fuck you and i turned the tv off i was too stank i didn't even fucking play video games i just got my ass in bed and i laid there next to my wife looking at the fucking ceiling trying to process what i just went through and i got so mad i got back up and i walked in the basement and started scribbling in my fucking voyager diary potsy doing do you know who potsy's uncle is (laughs) who Dr. Heimlich, who invented the Heimlich maneuver that has saved many lives while Potsy, his fucking nephews over here, ruining my Wednesday night. I guess you weren't spoiled then on what it was. About. I knew what it was going to be like, you know, when we did. So this is going to be part two of the um, what's it called? The silver, the silver, blood, silver arc. blood. Yeah, the silver blood arc. You know, when we did that episode, which was uh, the fruit of Kenneth Bill Wilder's loins, it was such a crazy what the fuck at the end. because It was a solid episode, right? And at the last 30 seconds, they just zip off into fucking crazy town and everybody agrees to get a duplicate made and then Voyager just zoops off and you see a bunch of you know, the entire crew compliment standing on the surface of the planet as Voyager leaves. And it's like, what the fuck? There's so many questions that entire episode should have, that 30 seconds should have been the entire episode. Um, but we had heavy discussions and we said, you yeah, know, we this, had the Australians. We had, uh,
0: the hell and well met guys for that
1: one. Absolutely. A, did. That was a good episode
0: to talk. That was a fun
1: episode. episode. Um, oh, and, it was made clear that there would be a revisit of this. So it's always been in the back of my mind that this was going to happen. And as uh, you tried to frantically pump the brakes, like don't read what it's going to be like. My. My my politician brain was like, "Mm, it's going to be a sequel to (laughs) demon. You played too much Vampire the Masquerade, you know, when you're being manipulated. Yeah, Uh, so I knew what it was going to be. And. They. uh, you know, let, let's let roll things back. You're all joking aside. This is a great episode. I really enjoyed the majority of this episode. It just seemed at the end it was needlessly. It was just a vicious ending. And I know a lot of times we say like, oh, God, homeostasis, everything's the same. Nothing changes. You know, these people are going through Crazy. Experiences, and there's no real risk at the end. And this is the one episode where it's like, what happens when things don't go the cruise way? And it's a worst case scenario, but in that it encapsulates like the worst of everything. This is a worse bottle episode, I would argue, than even fucking Year of Hell was. And on top of it all, it's just a needless. Twist of the knife. So I love a lot of this episode, and that's why I have so much anger at how it finally ends is because it was a great setup to have some sort of redemption by the end, and instead you just get kicked right in both balls. Here's your episode so- title for this. Saw 7 Voyager. <laughs> this is fucking torture porn. If you're a uh, I- sadist, <laughs> this is the Voyager episode for you.
0: Okay. Okay. So let me get some thoughts out. I totally understand where you're coming from. This is plays entirely against type for Star Trek to have a absolute fucking downer of an ending. Right. I kind of love it because it makes you think every step of the way that they're probably not going to make it, but they're going to like they set that thing up with the probe. Right. And that's what you think like, OK, so they're not going to make it. Something's going to happen. But then real Voyager is going to find the probe and they're going to like find out what happened and the memory of the, the like s- an inner light. Silver blo- yeah, an inner, an inner light thing. Exactly. They set that up perfectly because that's what you think is going to happen because that's Star Trek. And then they fucking give you the world of darkness ending. Right. They're like, no, guess what? None of none of these things that these people did ever get found out and really none of it ever mattered. And that, you know, they, they say by the brace of God, go I is the is the is the type of ending that is like this could be Voyager. They could just get evaporated out there the same way these guys fucking did. And they're lucky that this hasn't happened to them. And. Yes, it is very not Trek and. I think I would hate it if they ever did this a second time, but that this is like the one time I think I've ever seen Trek do something like this in the Berman era. It's perfect. You know, it just, you get to it and it just fucking hits you right in the balls. Just like you said, and it's very effective of like, damn space is a harsh mistress. (laughs) I get it. I'm with you about, It's a great episode and it has a motherfucker of an ending. But I kind of like the motherfucker of an ending because it's so singular and unique. We start in the mess hall because what we are seeing is a marriage. So we we have a setup for the wedding of B'Elanna and Tom Paris. And the mastery of this episode is that it gives you hints as the episode starts that something is wrong, but kind of hides it in the normal Voyager tropes. Like this scene happens. And of course, you know, Tom and blonde have been in a relationship for a while. So the fact that they've decided to get married isn't out of place. You've got
1: everybody in their dress uniforms from, from the TNG sets, which look you know? amazing. And they that's do. I, I spent so much time pausing and looking at these scenes. Cause you've got Harry Janeway, Tom B'Elanna Chicote. all in that TNG third to seventh season style standing collar, um, you know, black shoulders with a department, uh, chest and it's the, the dress uniform. So it overlaps and it's kind of longer like a dress, but it's just, I hate the fucking Voyager uniforms. And I think everybody looks amazing in this. And I'm just like, man, if only we didn't switch over to these goddamn jumpsuits, like these guys all look really good. And I think that would have been cool. I love the vows that Janeway lays out during the marriage. Um, We gather not as Starfleet officers. And I'm like, yeah, but as half Starfleet officers and staff fucking (laughs) space terrorists, then you got Harry heckling the wedding. I forget what he says. It's like, yeah, I don't know, I think he says Tom's loose or something. <laughs> well, the
0: it's uh, Janeway who's like, You uh you're single who bachelorhood's almost over, you regrets? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> like lots of lots of regrets for all that 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 space space poontang. I'm not gonna get my uh get my hands around. The big first big hint is actually right there in that scene that something's wrong, and that's that Tom Paris is a lieutenant. Yes. And that was on purpose. That Mm -hmm. was that was done on purpose by the production that, you know, the 30 days happens after the silver blood incident. So the the biomimetic Tom never had a chance to be an asshole and go to prison.
1: (laughs) Yeah. biomimetic Tom never came to the uh, overnight conclusion that he is the world's biggest underwater aficionado that you never knew existed. Uh, So he was never lured to aquatic terrorism as they are. Celebrating, and the vows have been tied. Uh, we now establish what I believe is going to be an ongoing trope for Voyager, as introduced in season five, and that is, if Balana Torres is walking in slow motion, then misery and tragedy shall follow. Because the last time we did this was in uh, Timeless when balana was christening the new trans warp core it was the slipstream drive yeah slipstream drive now it's balana walking in slow motion there did you ever see the video i posted for uh i overlaid the tears for fear song with uh with timeless yes i thought it turned out really good but (laughs) here you go again uh dead man walking in slow motion and it will prove to be the first but yeah them dropping him as a lieutenant and the last time they really tried to fake us out like that, I would say, was worst case scenario where we came into the uh, Tuvok security protocol. What if Chakotay leads a mutiny and some rank discussions and seeing uh, it was Bolana didn't have rank insignia on.
0: It was just strange.
1: Right. And also to uh, what's his it's face? The ensign. Yeah. What's his nuts was still alive. Who was the bad guy with the plasma torch? that dies in oh jonas jonas crewman jonas of course knowing that jonas was alive resident
0: first resident of neelix's space hell uh
1: so yeah you get tipped off that this is not the the voyager that we've all come to know and occasionally love and as a happy tom and happy balana are strutting off to go to marital bliss We see all the rice that's being thrown to the floor like a huge fucking mess is falling through the carpeting and into the Jeffries tubes underneath. The first scene
0: after the credits is basically a catch up that, you know, things are going extraordinarily well on Voyager so well that they've apparently created an enhanced warp drive that's going to get them home in a little over two years, which is just just what you know like enhanced how like did you just finally harness that lizard tech transwarp lizard tech like how is it that you're going to go from like now i guess probably 40 years away or whatever it is to to two years but they don't they don't really explain the how it's enhanced just that do they need
1: to joe because how many times have we sat there and said you have amazing technology that's sitting in your hands that you're absolutely squandering. Maybe this crew also encountered uh, that alien from Visa V and also had a shuttlecraft that they installed their space folding technology onto. And instead of forgetting that shuttlecraft exists, this crew actually capitalized on it. What if jumping back to Visa V? So, so at the end of Visa V, they got to chase down Tom and he's whatever. But again, they, they had a shuttlecraft. With the super warp drive module on it, right? Right. What? What if like people did kind of forget about that, and that was just one of the many shuttlecraft that Voyager loses on a constant basis, and like that happened, I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> Damn! <it. laughs> I told you, I told you to take the keys out of that one. That was an important one. The discussion
0: is, of course, in the. Uh, ready room that like oh we'll still like stop off and do our fucking normal put ourselves in danger for the sake of (laughs) space science shit don't worry don't worry viewer (laughs) like we'll still get into adventures and uh they cut back to the mess hall where uh neelix and tom paris are talking about where they're going to go on their holodeck honeymoon and this is stevie sat down and started watching the episode on this scene i like caught her up as to what happened so far and then she was visited by neelix trying to get tom to take bolana to some filthy talaxian sex planet where the crickets make you want to
1: fuck uh you know
0: That's, that's that's literally what happens dude He's like, take her to sidetracks where the crickets are an auditory aphrodisiac. Like, he's all like, mm, yeah, mm, snarf snarf wants you to to bang. Like, he's got this look on his face and he makes these big googly eyes like it's season one.
1: Neelix, all of a sudden licking his lips thinking like,
0: mm, yeah, Fuck
1: I'm up, not going to yeah. hate on on Neelix for wanting to pass around bang crickets. That's. Listen, Neelix and, then, and yeah, Tom's Tom, like, don't, wor- don't
0: worry, we don't need bang crickets to get dirty. So, you know, I you appreciate that idea
1: yourself a little bro scene between Tom and Neelix. We established back after uh, part tuition. It was part tuition, right? The Freaks space Muppet episode, right? Correct. That, you know, they're on friendly terms. I think they should be on friendlier terms and, and something like this. I'm willing to take as a reinforcement to that uh meanwhile you got balana ever the workaholic who is getting cold feet about taking a week off from work for her honeymoon we established that yet again seven of nine the frequent workplace active shooter who does not wear a uniform and has no formal place on the ship i believe the last time she was in engineering she was literally shooting Belana in the chest with a rifle. <laughs> that was the last time we saw her in engineering that's the klingon way to get promoted i think or i guess that'd more be like the romulan way if you but, assault your boss enough <laughs> you'll be left in charge that's how Bellana initially took engineering that, from Joe that's Carey. true that is that
0: is the line of succession like she you know what she could be promoted chief engineer if she's found a coffee cup and threw it with you know not too much vigor
1: you know, but you certainly You just yell enough. Praxis and punch your boss, and now you're. The boss. <laughs> uh, but Blana's like, I don't want to leave because I'm a super hot rod engineering chick, and Seven of Nines like, I'm wearing a cat suit, but I know how to do your job as well as you do. And then they get into this back and forth that you don't really understand the engine. Well, it's just a simple, you know, propulsion device. And Belana's like, no. It's a person with feelings and you got to be nice. And then there's a problem and they both scoot off to go look into it. And we get treated to some really bad special effects straight out of twisted the, twisted. Yes.
0: Oh my God. It's the same warping effect from twisted. They still can't do it any better. They go to this Jeffries too. We get, you get a, you just get the money shot of all Aerial money shots as they're
1: crawling through the Jeffries tubes. Man. Like
0: the most gratuitous Seven of Nine ass shot that will ever be done on this show. As okay, as they are talking about how Seven of Nine doesn't want to be monogamous because she doesn't want to limit her options of all of the crew members that she could fuck, right?
1: Is she just banging them out
0: now? Right? Who knows? But who knows how freaky Silver Blood Seven of Nine is? But mm. you know, like as this conversation is happening, they do an overhead shot of them crawling through the goddamn Jeffries tubes, and you just get ass shots of both of these ladies, like in frame. It's the only part of like it only exists to show this is Jerry Ryan and Roxanne Dawson's butts when they're Aren't crawling they in the tube. But start it starting from that,
1: you know, I spliced. Uh, head over heels by tears for fears over that timeless slow motion shot. I might go back and splice George Michaels too funky over them crawling through there because there's that supermodel <laughs> just crawling on all fours like super sexy. And it's basically this shot with Starfleet uniforms on. I'm just uh, saying Pots, Potsy's a
0: fucking a creepy freak. old man, dude. <laughs> like, that, is, that is, there is no reason for those shots to exist aside from we need more. We got a network note. More Jerry. Let's read this. Let's read the network note, everybody. Let's unwrap. Let's unwrap it. Let's unwrap it. Okay. It says more Jerry Ryan ass. All right. All right. Set up a set up a rig. All Side right, note.
1: This- Thank you, network note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm condemning it, but I appreciate it. That was that was tasteless. <laughs> Thank you. It was. So anyway, bad stuff's happening
0: to the ship. It's like weirdly destabilizing, like and twisted. They have a like two second briefing scene where they sent. They say this is happening all over the ship. It's they they think it obviously might be this new warp core, but they also are flummoxed by that because they tested it. it shouldn't be happening. Uh, they they don't spend much time talking about it because they have to cut back to. Uh, balana going back to her quarters to do her engineering log which of course we we get to see that again roxanne dawson in the year of our lord 1998 to 1999 uh did all of the push-ups that were available in in america she had a monopoly she did them all uh good job and that's when you start to uh, see that she is having kind of physical issues. She's shivering. She goes to her bathroom and she's got some weird fucking discoloration starting to appear
1: on her skin. And it's it's not good. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Did Seven of Nine and Balana Taurus crawling on all fours with their butts sticking out like sexy kitty cats not get your dick hard? Oh, I need more than that. What can he offer me? Well, if you're a sadist, you're in luck. Because for the rest of this episode, I'm running a special on people dying a slow death by radiation poisoning. As an aficionado of all things industrial accident and a big fan
0: of the miniseries Chernobyl, I imagine you are thrilled.
1: I would be if I didn't uh, feel like I had been abused and picked up and broken over Bane's knee by the ending of this episode. You want to talk about needlessly cruel, man. They just go all out to a degree that I have just never seen in Star Trek before. A lot of times people die and the crew's just kind of like, oh, oh, well, you jump into Threshold. Tom Paris dies and... And everyone's just like, well, that's it. And they, you know, scoot the towel over his head and declare the time of death. Janeway's died like eight times up to this point. Nobody's really made a big deal out of it. I can't come up with any situation where someone has died and it has really felt like a legit death. Even when fucking Hogan gets bit up by the snake thing on uh, whatever, just... (laughs) When crewman Hogan is told by Neelix to stand
0: in the giant pile of bones and and viscera and obvious death and say, please, uh, would you mind waiting here for your uh, for your demise to
1: occur? Yeah. I mean, is there really any point someone <laughs> dies that's a crew member and you really feel it? Because you feel it for the guy in. Um, in resistance, her dad, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it's always like a. We know this isn't real, and we're just going to kind of speed through it. Not here, folks. Here, you get Tom Paris swinging by to visit his now wife, who is looking pretty bad. She's got, and again, they'll call it this or that, but here's the space whore. Their nuclear warp core is leaking radiation, and it is destabilizing the molecular bonds of the ship and it is radiation poisoning everybody else you can go back to jetrol which is like beating you over the head with oppenheimer nuclear angst and the people of talaxia that are like caught in this half-life half-death nuclear holocaust that's like partially invisible here's the real ugly shit man These, these radiation burns and she's laying there She doesn't seem like she's almost dead, though. So it comes as a little bit of a surprise. Tom slides up, puts a nice linear chip in her hand, says, hey, this is our honeymoon. And she says, tell me about it kind of weakly. And he starts going on about what the itinerary was going to be and what she was going to wear and how they were going to dance at Charleston and this and that an A++ acting out of Robert Duncan McNeil about being all fucked up by watching his wife, who he should be enjoying a holodeck adventure with. Roxanne Dawson does a good job selling it on the table. It's their best fucking scene together in the whole show. Period. End of story. Period. Not even close. You show me this, and I would never in a million years thought that there was eight or so episodes that have come before this that I would have rather peeled my fingernails off than watch them try to convince me there's even a shred of chemistry between them. Right? I I yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's like, where did this fucking come from? Like how did you two find this gear? You've never you've never They're been only in this happy gear before. when it rains. And and one of them's literally on their deathbed and now both of these characters are able to fully express their love. It is a perfect it is a perfect moment for both of these characters. Tom's all choked up and trying to tell her how great it would be. And then she fucking croaks. And I'm like, oh, shit, this just hit me in the feels. I know this is a bullshit episode. I'm under the impression at this point, because I I know goddamn well that this is going to be the silver people. Right. I'm under the impression that something's going to come along 11th hour and maybe like. Bring her back to life or whatever, that it's certainly not going to be what it turns into. But even in this moment, where I'm fairly certain that there's going to be a kind of happy ending to this, it fucking hurts to watch this these two characters that I hate being together. Uh, watch them have to go through the death of of Bolana actually dying. It is unprecedented, right? And to see again Star Trek sell an on screen death to this degree is just fucking nuts. In the background, while this is occurring, uh, the
0: Detective uh, Neelix, actually, uh, with working with Detective Tuvok, comes to the conclusion that the only things that are not degrading on the ship are the things that they had brought onto the ship from the outside.
1: Super and, clever plot point.
0: Yeah, and this allows them to extrapolate that they can maybe identify the point to which this degradation started occurring by figuring out the point where things on the ship are degrading and things aren't. And so that allows Tuvok and Chakotay to start working backwards through log entries of all the shit they've done, which I I love also because you get like all these adventure, you know, like plot points of adventures of episodes of their show that we never saw of aliens. They ran into that normal Voyager didn't that that shit happened
1: to them and that they got out of like that. was sounds great, you know, because they're not sitting there dragging me through how uh, Tom Paris held the Borg Queen at gunpoint, which was fucking <laughs> ridiculous. They're not sitting there wasting my time with, uh, which one was Gravity?
0: Oh, Gravity, uh, was or so well, Gravity was the one where they were on the planet with Tank Girl and wanted to fuck Tuvok.
1: Yeah, I could have skipped that one, too. Uh, Bright of Chaotically was great. Latent Image was good. Counterpoint was a turd, wasn't it? No, Counterpoint I liked. Uh, Whatever. I would have traded a few of the adventures they kind of brief over there uh, for some of the stuff we've been choking down through this season five. It's a shame that, again, they don't really, to my knowledge, that none of this stuff ever has a chance to come out again, because it's always interesting, the disarray that Voyager consistently leaves there the the planet of the week behind him, and to see Voyager have to deal with another Voyager's mess would have been fun. They they start narrowing this stuff down and the memory alpha points out a fun one that uh, one of the star systems they went through was very close to the star system that uh, the doctor ends up on in Living Witness.
0: Yeah, that's actually the demon class sector. They call it the Vaskin sector. Hmm. And so that's that is literally where they've decided that the demon episode occurred, which, again, nice reference. This, this episode is very it's Brian Fuller, right? Brian Fuller gives a fuck. So he goes back through the episodes and make sure they're all internally consistent with each other. So he uh, yeah, my boy. Brian Fuller is the one you
1: hate, by the way. He's the one who wanted the world of darkness ending. He fucking fought for it.
0: I'm going to read you Hanson
1: Williams fucking entry here. Potsy's hands are dirty real life gut-wrenching the gift it was hard to say goodbye to Kess. he did do demon so you've got strong continuity there uh although demon wasn't exactly a a tearjerker and then this fucking again saw eight voyager (laughs) aka course oblivion uh his his hands are dirty in this too you know they start talking about the demon planet. Like, hmm,
0: yeah, don't don't you remember when we did that batshit thing? Because the captain told us we had to, and a lot of cells all be copied by the the weird silver blood. There, haven't you ever always wondered what the fuck happened to them? Tuvok, and like
1: Tuvok, literally says, "I often wonder what has happened to them." Well, Detective Tuvok, <laughs> they flash. Cut. <laughs> they could a- off, it's you all long so he says i wonder what happened to them and then tuvok and uh chakotay show up in sickbay, and there's yeah they cut they cut away like hard cut after tuvok says that like comically almost and then uh it really think- is kind com- it's like a comic like yeah whatever happened to that baloney we forgot next to the heater and then you go down there and it's like a festering bacterial wonderland like <laughs>
0: And, they, and then they they rise back up in sick bay they show up they're like hey doc uh she dead she's he's like yeah she's dead it's like cool um scanner wanna- for scanner for different space dirt and like she he's like what the fuck do you mean he does it and he's like wait a second there is in fact all of the space dirt here i don't i wouldn't have thought to look for that and uh, he's like, "Why are you asking me to do that?" Two backs like, "We have a disturbing theory. Uh, why don't you inject her with this uh, this catalyst stuff?" And he's like, uh, "Okay," and he does it. And then my then wife we have comes the, in at this
1: point. Oh god, <laughs> she's walking through my wife. Oh no, Casey. <laughs> you know she's about five years younger than I am, so she was treated to a different segment of Nickelodeon programming. So right as they hit Bellana with this hypo spray and she reverts back into uh silver blood. So like super budget T 1000 silver goose, right? She stops mid strand. She goes, it's Alex Mack. No, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's that. We, how that was kind of still us. Wasn't it? Yeah, I remember
1: I remember still I remember seeing that's why I got a good laugh at it. But I'm like, yeah, that totally is like when was the the secret of was it the secret world of Alex Mack? Was that it? I think so. Yeah, that was that was still programming when we were in the relevant age group because this was year 2000. And uh, Alex Mack ran from 94 to 98. So this was a little after Alex Mack, but it's it's a very Alex Mack. Uh, CGI effect. She just slithers into a crappy pool of goo. That's the power of this episode. That special effect looked like shit. All of the ship falling apart and twisting and warping straight out of uh, season two twisted look shitty. And I'm not even really, I wasn't even cognizant of it during it because the plot was running that good.
0: Next scene is when you finally get hit with the sauce. And that is... This is the silver blood people. That is everyone we have seen in this episode. This is the silver blood people, not the quote unquote real Voyager. This is a revelation that Chicote and Tuvok and the Doctor essentially explain to Janeway to say we're not really these people. Uh, what uh, we have determined happened is that at some point, as a consequence of us copying them, we you know we got all of their memories. And because we got all their memories, we started to just inherit their lives. We, we started to think ourselves of ourselves as them and forgetting that we weren't because we had no sense of self before that point. So and why would tracks. we?
1: Because if you jump back to Demon, Harry and Paris get sucked into the goop. They get cloned and their clones have 100% buy in that they are these people. Those clones are feverishly trying to help Voyager solve the mystery of what happened. And it's not until the very end when confronted with all of the truth that clone Harry starts to kind of realize I'm not really Harry Kim. Like that's buying into the fantasy of being what you're duplicating is established canon. So A plus on that.
0: Absolutely good canon. And also it makes sense that you know, they, they piece it together this way too. Like them solving this problem makes sense as well in the fashion that they do. The, they're rational space scientists now because that's what they've copied and they've put together. Oh, so we're not these people. And that's weird, but also makes perfect sense. And we're all just kind of going to go with it, right? Like we believe this, even though not everyone's able to act on it rationally, which is where a lot of the episodes just uh, drama comes from this point forward and and that is that chakotay is very realistic of the situation they're in like we're not these people we probably need to go back to our home planet because we've managed to destabilize ourselves uh, because of the new radiation yeah and the reason why we didn't know this was going to happen is we all thought we were human so we didn't check to make sure it wasn't gonna cause our silver blood you know specialness to uh go Go
1: wild. Let's flesh this out more, okay? Because it's not just the people who are cloned. Like, this silver blood mimetic, whatever is so powerful that it's replicated the entire ship to the point where all the electrical systems, all the data in the computer core, the doctor is a hologram, is a legit hologram being uh, projected by bio-organic uh, space technology now seven of nine all of her board parts are still still like this this is perhaps the most fantastic technology we've seen short of like Q stuff where you've got silly putty that's so good at lifting the print off of the newspaper page that it becomes whatever that picture was yeah it's literally copied a piece of software like electrons it's a that's big ass it is You know, this is a big ask for you to accept in your mind's eye of what you're willing to uh, accomplish with plausible deniability, not plausible deniability, but um, suspension of disbelief. And I'm happy to do it right up there with happy to deal with the shitty special effects from Twisted and and whatever else you're passing off. Like, that's how good the episode is. This is this is fucking amazing, high concept sci fi that we're getting right now. You know, this is an incredible what if premise with with super good high concept sci fi. And so they lay this all on Janeway and Janeway's kind of stunned. And she's like, well, we got to tell the crew. And I'm like, man, what a fucking hard conversation to have with your whole crew that, hey, none of you are real. This is all bullshit. Uh, And in the absence of a better course of action, we're just going to stay the original course and just keep trucking towards Earth. I like the dichotomy between someone like uh, Chakotay
0: kind of fully realizing his, his duality of his nature at this point. I am this I am Chakotay, but I'm also not. Whereas Janeway can't accept it because her character, you know, she's so she's so icy, she's so in character as Janeway. She can't shake out of I need to behave differently, whereas Chakotay can kind of separate himself a little bit and tom of course is just fatalistic but he's probably fatalistic because not only he suffered a horrific trauma now he's confronted with this reality that he's not even
1: quote unquote real tom uh, has reverted into a uh, a degree of bitch that we have not seen since uh gravity where he is a needless asshole and antagonizes tuvok on his tank girl relationship like Tom goes real pain in the. I would have thrown his ass in the brig, but um, I understand they're they're playing with half a deck on this. I think there's two misses on Chakotay in this episode. Like I think it's a strong Chakotay episode overall, but I would have liked to see him a little bit more distraught at the sight of dead Balana since they were homies. Um, and I think there should have been a throwaway scene in here somewhere where. Chicoté tries to lean back on his spirituality as a crutch and and in light of the, the revelation that he's not real, like throws that away and in that moment realizes that he is more than what he sees in the mirror.
0: This is where the episode starts to kind of tease you about how it might get to that ending we talked about earlier, which is to say they're going to meet a bad end. the the show really makes it clear none of these these copies of the main characters are likely to survive this episode they set you up to accept that but they they do it in such a way that presents this out this classic trek out of they're going to create a probe that has all of their um log entries and a record of their existence using the material that came from outside the ship that isn't degrading and say, okay, if we can't make it back to a different class Y planet that is like our, our home or back to our home proper, then our our other option is just to make it so that we can put some record of our existence out there. And this is what we're going to do. It's perfect for what they end up doing because you get all these travails and all these issues they start to go through and all of these tragedies. And, you know, you just it, they set up all of this conflict for a payoff to be at least they were able to hand this baton off to the real Voyager so that they could honor their memory into the future and have some. The you ending
1: know, you think you're going to see is Tom sitting there reading a personal log of himself saying, huh? I married Balana and, like, that plant the seed, like, like, that, that was where my money was going to be, that. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, he reflects on how much he loves her and, like, how, like, he never really thought of his future that way, or, and then, like, that Janeway is reinvigorated in her desires because, like, you know, they had such an impact on the Silverblood that they went out and literally did what Voyager does, being altruistic in the Delta Quadrant while also possibly getting bad ratings on Nextdoor. And you know, everybody has that moment of reflection about they had an, this this impact on the universe through the Silverblood that that ended up being positive and made them think about themselves and what could possibly happen to them. All of that is what they set you up for. A nice three-minute uh, ending scene Everybody has that moment They stand and, and look into the middle distance You know with a bit of Sorrow on their face Possibly out of viewport Maybe Neelix in the
1: background Our lives a different way And now we are brought to this reality I don't nope. know where I don't know <laughs> it where happened. The discussion happens But there's a lot of really good Again high concept-y Sci-fi like ridiculous Situation and trying to parse it out I think it's a little later where Chakotay starts getting more forceful with Janeway that we're not going to survive the travel home. Uh, B'Elanna is the first of what will be many deaths by slow radiation poisoning. And for all the hokey special effects in this episode, the radi- the radiation uh, poisoning makeup they're putting these guys in is fucking gruesome. It looks shitty and a little like basic. You know, this isn't the best like Hollywood has to offer, but it's grotesque enough that you see these people are in pain. Janeway's face is slowly melting, her eyebrows like slumping over her eye. She's looking like uh, like Pike in the original series. Everybody's getting real soupy and green and scabby and gross, and it is a real bad time on Voyager. And Chakotay a couple times would be like, listen, we're not going to survive the trip home. We need to turn around and go back to our planet or uh, find another demon class planet where you know, class Y planet where we can try to recover and fix ourselves up. And Janeway's like, we got to keep pushing forward. And then you a couple times we get confronted. One is between Chicote and Janeway. There's another between Tom and uh, Harry. Where it's like, you're not the person you think you are. You're not the person you want to be. You're an imposter. And even if you did get home, people are going to see you as an imposter. You can't take this other person's life. And it's Janeway that's like, for all we know, the real Voyager is dead. For all we know, the people waiting at home for those, we are the best thing that they have. And maybe this is fate that were those other people. And and to say that Voyager should be dead out there, like, absolutely. Every episode is them barely surviving by the skin of their teeth. So, like, that's yeah, per- yeah absolutely. It's a perfectly legitimate point that she's making. Like, the conflict there is, is real. Like, how do you know? You don't. And yeah, push forward. Now, the hard math of the situation is at the rate they're degrading, even with their super baller ass warp drive. They're not going to be able to make it. So you get this moment of hope or at least this interesting turning point where they locate another class Y planet. And I refuse to believe that class Y planets are that fucking hard to come across. But there's only one apparently in this part of space with their super duper warp drive they can get to. And they go to land on it and some more evil two dimensional (laughs) blue collar miners come up out and say, hey, fuck off. We're mining here. And Janeway's like slowly dying in her chair. And she's like, this is the Federation starship. We come a piece of like, no, these are our space rocks and start shooting at them. And Janeway's like, all right, we'll shoot them back a little bit. They can't make any impact whatsoever on their shields, but Tuvok's like, Hey, we can hit them with a space magic burst. And then we could pop their warp core. And Janeway's like, no, I'm not willing to kill to save my crew. And, we're just going to float away and go keep rotting out in space. And like, I've got a real hard point part, like dealing with this, this segment of what happens. Because there's a conversation that never happens that that should happen. They're acting as Starfleet officers. And like I said, there's a few conversations with Chakotay and Janeway about, we can't keep thinking like Star Trek, which I'm sorry, we can't keep thinking like Starfleet, which falls back to the, Maybe we need to loosen things up. What was that? Alliances where we meet the uh, the people who who fucked up the uh, the Kmart Klingons. The Kazon, yeah, yeah. The,
0: the trade. Trabe. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the most gangster moments in Star Trek Voyager where that drop ship guns down the gang meeting of uh, Kazon. Um, but we can't keep playing by these strict rules. And Janeway's like, well, do you think we should have blown up that ship? is like, no, but we got to get flexible. You know everything Janeway knows. You know everything that Starfleet has instilled. She knows about the fucking Omega particles and everything else, right? You know that it's very possible that the Silverbloods, the entirety of the Silverblood species, right, is is this ship and the crew. That all the Silverblood from the Demon Plan is these people. They are a new life. They are a new civilization. So it's not just a Starfleet expendable crew, but like it's a crew that created a sentient life form and then abandoned it on the planet to its own devices, which has not turned out great. Yeah, but they're kind of like their own. Dr. Frankenstein, right? Like they're Frankenstein's monster and also Dr. Frankenstein, and they are responsible for creating themselves like they they have the guilt and responsibility of starfleet and they also have what should be kind of the protected status of a new life form and whether or not in the long term they're going to continue to act and behave as the people they copied or if they have a chance to evolve and become something more them dying in space from from space radiation cancer isn't going to help things so i think in that moment like there should have been some real debate like all right is popping the warp core on some really asshole miners who are literally standing between us and the survival of our entire species. Uh, worth a couple dead people dying in the process. Like this is Janeway who damned the entire Delta Quadrant to Borg genocide. Like. I-, I think the stakes are higher than they really let the the crew give themselves credit for. There isn't much left to actually talk about here because we've already talked about the ending. We've
0: we've summarized what happens. They they degrade. You mentioned, uh, you know, Janeway's eventually just kind of dies in the captain's chair. Harry
1: takes command of what's left. You know, they're all literally falling apart. Everything is seven of nine looks fucking dope because the more sick she gets, the more Borg implant starts hanging out of her face. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was really cool looking the way that they did her makeup specifically. She, she looked noticeably different than everyone else because of that. Right up at the end, uh, there is a decision made to put out a distress call on all signals, trying to find Voyager wherever they are to to ask them for help or to communicate what has happened. As you noticed, uh, noted, there is a effort to create a time capsule probe that will let all of their. Their. um. Their teachings and their trials and the tribulations survive. Voyager kind of comes in the last couple minutes. The ship's literally falling apart. Uh, they try to launch the probe, which somehow in the process of launching a probe, they completely destroy it, which is fucking stupid. And a big complaint of mine through this. And Harry says, we got one chance at this. We can use local comms but we're going to have to drop out of warp to hail the real voyager so we can like beam this information to them. They can't bring the ship out of warp. They're just like fuck it, poop the core out while we're traveling at super speed. What's the worst that's going to happen? 7 and 9 dumps the core and probably dies in the process and we've got Harry Kim holding down the fort as like the last survivor waiting for Voyager to fly in so he can relay the message, the, the song of his people on and then go ahead and take off your pants and put your dick on the table <laughs> right in a little hole. That is actually a guillotine <laughs> because then, uh, Voyager does fly in and wouldn't you know it, it's like five minutes too late and instead of the sending they've been builded up to that, this has not all been for nothing. Uh, you just get Janeway coming up on a, uh, uh, a graveyard of goop. And she's like, Hmm, well, that's I wonder what something
0: the fuck that was. Yeah. I wonder well, what I'll that, that was note of in the log. Seems okay. to be nothing here.
1: If you need me, I'll be back in my bodice ripper, holodeck or whatever <laughs> the fuck I'm doing. And I'm trying to, to,
0: really visualize your anger at this. And I i guess I am as amused by it as I was. I'm a little surprised you were that angry at it. Like it's just really good storytelling, the way that they're able to give you all this drama, build at, on the existing trick tropes to really make you think that this is going to happen the way that you expect it to. And then at the last second, got, they get you and they get you good and i am somewhat surprised you didn't enjoy that element more that's where you have beef
1: they do too good of a job in humanizing these characters that they literally torture with a slow radiation death the entire time like i can't undersell the makeup here like people's faces are just melting and they all look like fucking wretched mutants and again these are characters we've got heavy emotional investments in and whereas they tell these bullshit stories i could care less about like dark frontier here you've got some real some real stakes and real suffering you know that these are just innocent aliens that have been caught up in a life that they don't understand and and have poisoned themselves with this industrial nuclear accident um so, you know, my, my big complaints here are there's a few points where I think they're really stretching to create a desperate situation like the unavailability of Y-class planets. Nobody's willingness to zap these alien miners down so they could land for like five minutes and catch their breath. I think the idea of the only solid matter on the whole ship, which is the uh, space probe made out of foreign materials being destroyed like even if it just can't launch out of voyager once voyager literally disintegrates around it that still would have been in the quote-unquote wreckage left behind you know um I, i think there's a lot of realistic opportunities that this crew specific the the crew unwilling to really defend the life of a new life and new civilization because of uh starfleet contradictory programming it's just there's so much mounting against it and in every other case and every we've been fed so many just turd stories that return to homeostasis that for the one time I I don't want a bitter shit fucking ending. That's what we can hand it. And to the effect of your biggest the one time, I don't want you to do this. You do it. The one time I don't want consequences. You give me the worst consequences. And like you said before, during your criticism of the often hailed best episode of Star Trek Voyager, Year of Hell. This this big, potent, wonderful story is just a fucking bottle episode. Nothing I, matters. I think there's a
0: big difference there, though, in that the point that they're trying to make with this episode is this really, like, just as they talk about in the dialogue that we mentioned, this could have very well been the real Voyager. This could have been their fate, that they just died alone, Unknown in the middle of the fucking Delta Quadrant, a goddamn stain on the side of some planet somewhere. And it's a reminder to the audience of how dangerous what they're doing is by allowing you to feel this visceral takedown of this other version of them that they are, you know, responsible for creating, by the way. And I think that that is why it's so effective to me that. The the characters are unaware of it, but that's not, it's because the story isn't for them. It's for you as the viewer of like, this is the stakes. This is what could happen to them. We know that that's not what happens to them. We know that this fate is unlikely because of a lot of Hollywood stuff that we now in 2020 are more aware of than we ever were in 1999. But I still like it as a storytelling device to say It's a cautionary tale The my, you know, the problem we have with Year of Hell is that they didn't allow that episode to grow the characters when they built it up to be something that grows the characters. This was never intended to do that. This was intended to be a horrific, you know, drama of what happens when it all goes wrong. And it's really good at that. And so I respect it.
1: I would argue that you can take everything you try to accomplish with that and relay that in a meaningful way to the characters who are surviving as they see the horrific remains of Harry Kim's melted face and the gut wrenching personal logs that are left behind. Like, again, in a vacuum, great conceptual sci fi, uh, you know, a plus acting, not even Garrett has a chance to <laughs> to stink up Screwed any it up. <laughs> scenes here, you know, everybody is given 110% maximum effort on this. It's just it's a fuck you ending for the sake of being a fuck you ending. It's another real life like let's really just tear the audience's heart out with a little girl dying on the table while her dad has to watch completely helpless to stop what's going on. But we're in real life like the doctor tries everything he can to save his daughter's life. And it's just not good enough here. You've got people literally falling apart and turning into mud monsters. And it's Janeway's. Janeway condemning them to that. Uh, And it's not until Chakotay actually dies that she's like, yeah, okay, let's try and fly home, even though there's no chance in hell of us getting this instead of scanning for another Y-class planet, whatever. This could have been everybody learning a valuable lesson from the horrific deaths of their alternate selves, and maybe some sweet warp technology that upgrades them and gives them a better shot at getting home uh, for some positive growth to the overall meta plot of the show. Um, So I don't have, you know, any real criticisms to the quality of this episode, other than it's a episode designed to have a intentionally sadistic end. Not sadistic and it's sadistic decline with a with just a, a fuck you slap in the face. Then. And and that's what they set out to do. And they did it very well. So uh, great episode is just a hard one. And I don't think it's one I'd really want to rewatch. It's a hard one to watch. And I think
0: it's just effective as a single viewing, because after you've had after you know what's going to happen, it loses a lot of its potency. I'm actually really glad you didn't know how it ended and that you were able to go through that and at least experience that it's singularly unique and while i hear you that there was an opportunity for the characters to grow through knowing that this all happened i think that there's something that appeals to my world of darkness heart that this this was a time where it didn't work out star trek is a is a bright universe in the Burman era, right? Like the heroes almost always triumph over the adversaries. And we like that, but having a, a singular example of when it all goes wrong and things don't work out. Uh, I really like it. And especially because they use the tropes of Trek to really like get built in that expectation. And you're left with the, the wreckage
1: of knowing this is what could happen. Well, I want to talk more about that, though. Okay, They've weaponized. They've weaponized their own failures as a TV show. There are never lasting consequences that the things that would have made Voyager a stronger television show lasting consequences. More like, you know, we talk about the Battlestar Galactic angle where, like, there's a cohesive story and the events of the previous episode lead into the hardships of the next one, like. The stuff I want, they never give you for whatever their reasons are for syndication remarketing or whatever. And it's like they ball all of that up into one, into this one episode and say, well, ultimately this is a big what-if episode. So let's just pull out all the stops. And the one time you get a taste is the time it just doesn't fucking matter at all. And we can still, again, have a clean homeostasis by the end of this and wash our hands of the whole experience and move on it's like it you're 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 using the toys the wrong way and i feel like it's just, it's a cop out experience i don't know um yeah moving on from here though uh season 5 episode 19 or 18 if you're netflix the flight we see a top down shot of voyager voyager gets trapped in chaotic space i believe it's the fight Oh, it is the fight. I'm sorry. Yeah, Voyager gets trapped in chaotic space, not to be confused with uh, fluidic space. A kind of Bermuda Triangle where sensors are useless and a straight line sends the ship running in circles. All right.
0: I'm looking forward to to that one. one. I remember it. It's uh, got some unique visuals um, and allegories that we'll we'll discuss. But uh, it is... It is a Chakotay episode. I'll say that for sure.
1: Well, that can be I mean, a, good a lot of
0: Chicote in season five, to be honest. I think this might be his his time in the barrel, right? Like taking back hasn't been a lot. So this will be a good time.
1: He's been strong where we got him. And, and I will say that this was a very strong entry for Chicote, All things considered. It's nice seeing him stand up. It's the second time he's really had to, like, confront Janeway in season five. The last time being timeless. Um, so so good stuff, man. You got anything to close us out with other than I appreciate all of our listeners, whether you are a
0: Patreon supporter or not like a dirt bag, like Peter <laughs> said, uh, and, uh, keep I like to please, go by
1: parasite,
0: <laughs> please share the podcast would be my request uh, above anything else. Share it, put it on social media, tell people about it link to a favorite episode of yours to to lure people in Uh, we always appreciate folks uh, essentially uh, advertising for what we're doing here because we find the most joy in broadening our discussion and having more people listen in so uh, please do that and until next time see ya